Last week, I mentioned in the acronym SAME, S-A-M-E, how to stay committed to the same man when he changes. And the M for mindset, you can go back and listen to that episode, but the M for mindset, I talked about focusing on and watering your own grass. But how do we actually do that? What are the practical action steps that we can take to shift our mindsets, our thoughts about our husbands or our marriages, and how do we actually do that? So today I'm bringing you six biblically-based steps to take to shift your mindset and change your mind about your marriage. So go grab your coffee and get ready, because here we go. This isn't a game of ding-dong ditch, and don't worry, I'm not a solar panel salesman. I'm just here to see you, friend. Whether you have spit up stains and cluttered counters, or you're still in your heels from work and just getting dinner started, take a minute and come sit with me. Welcome to the JAR podcast with your host, Lydia, certified teacher, homeschool boy mom, oh Lord help me, and marriage ministry leader, bringing you tough lessons from my own journey to soul health and wholeness. Together each week, we'll discuss our struggles, pain, and shame. We'll combat labels and lies with biblical truth, and we'll work through our mess and come out stronger, more confident, and rooted in our identity in Christ. So move your pile of laundry over. Better yet, let me help you fold it while we talk. Thanks for letting me in. Now let's get real. I'm not married yet, but have been with my fiance for over 10 years, and a bit of what Lydia talked about in episode 40 hit a little too close to home. I can't wait to binge all the episodes as we plan our wedding. I think this podcast will help us get ahead of some of the issues. Y'all, that is just one of the reviews that someone left, and it just goes to show that you don't have to already be married. You don't have to be 40 years into your marriage. You can be a newlywed. You can be engaged. You can just be in a relationship right now, but the tools that are offered in here, what God's word says about how we treat each other are meant for all of us, no matter what stage we're in. So, so I encourage you to share an episode or this podcast with a friend, but I also ask you to leave a review if you haven't yet. You can push the pause button or after you listen to this episode, you can go to the bottom of the show, click on write a review and leave a message about how the podcast or a specific episode has helped you to understand something about your marriage or your relationship so that other women around the globe, and I think we're around 43 countries now, welcoming listeners from Egypt and South Korea, help it to spread even further. Now, we already decided in the last episode, we are committed to the same man, even when he changes because he's going to change, you're going to change. And if we're not changing him out for a newer or a better one, what can we do? How can we take care of our marriage, our relationship that we already have in a better way? And one thing we can do is change our mindset. And when I looked up the definition for change, you know, everyone knows kind of what it means, but the definition says, Replace something with something else, especially something of the same kind that is newer or better. Substitute one thing for another. So today, we're going to talk about replacing one negative thought with something else, something newer, something better, and substituting it 
for another, but not just any other, one that is biblically based on scripture, God's word, and that's actually going to be productive and helpful to our marriages. And so I have another acronym for you today because I can't help myself. Sorry, not sorry. And the acronym just kind of summarizes this month's theme and it is CHANGE. C-H-A-N-G-E. CHANGE. Here I go giving spelling tests again. (laughs) Also can't help myself. Anyway, okay, let's start with C. When we think about changing our mindset from a negative pattern to something new, we first have to see, cut out what's holding you back or old ways of thinking and capture your thoughts. We probably aren't aware as we come into a marriage just how many thoughts and ways of thinking we have from our family of origin, from growing up, from how we've always done things. And if you've been single for a while before you got married, or if you were married before and you're getting remarried, and you have a way of thinking or a way of handling situations based on those past events and past relationships, the first thing we have to do is cut out those old ways of thinking if they're simply not working, or if they're simply not biblically based. Romans 12.2 says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our minds should be renewed in this marriage, in your relationship, because we should be doing things that renew our minds. Like it says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. So when a thought comes up like, that's not the way my mom did it, or my dad did it, or that's not how I was raised, or that's the only way I know how to do it, or why are you doing it that way? That's not how we do it. Or even if they're not words spoken out loud, but you're simply thinking, that's not what I'm used to, or that's not the way to do it. We have to take every single thought like that captive, even if it's cultural and it's just how your culture does things, and you're married to someone whose culture is different like in my marriage, it can make it a little bit tougher because those cultural ways of doing things can be pretty strong and pretty deeply rooted and we're not even aware of them. But as those thoughts come up of why are you doing it that way or that's not how we do it, we have to take that thought and make it captive and obedient to Christ. And we also have to remember scriptures like Matthew nineteen five that say a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. It's a, it's a brand new union. It's a brand new way of doing things with the two of you deciding what is best for you and what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and not using old patterns and old behaviors, even if that's how you grew up. So that C is to cut out the old stuff, cut out the things that aren't working, and capture your thoughts. The second action step that you can take to change your mind is to H, hand it to him. Hand things to him that are out of your control. Hand him your results and the outcome. Hand him the whole process from start to finish, from A to B. Hand him the process of your your marriage, of your relationship, of the growth, of 
what you're going to go through, what you are going through, the difficulties, the the highs and the lows, and hand him the pain. Hand him the suffering, hand him the hardships, the things that feel too heavy for you. As far as the results and the outcome go, Colossians 1.17 says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He, as sovereign God, has the end in mind. He knows the future. He knows the outcome. And we can rest in that and hand to him our, our marriage and the, the state of it, the outcome of it, the end of it, whatever it may look like. Jeremiah 10, 23 says, Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps. And it's not up to us to direct our own steps. You know, Proverbs 16, 9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And so really, he's in control of our steps, our plans, and we need to give that to him and hand it over. And also just the whole process. Even if we don't know what the outcome's going to be, the process of walking through something can feel really tiring, especially when we don't know the outcome. And so Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. And he's walking through that valley of the shadow of death. If it's a really difficult time, he's walking through every single season that you're in. He's right there. And so we can hand over the whole process of whatever difficulty you are experiencing in your marriage or your relationship, whether it's just beginning or whether it's feeling like it's ending He's right there in the process so we can hand it to him. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We can rest in the process because he is in control. Because whether our marriage is doing great or whether it's in a season of struggle, we can rest, we can give him our burdens, we can give him our negative thoughts, We can give him our negative emotions, all of that. And so the next step really kind of continues and explains how we do that. And that's by A, anchoring in the word. Just like a boat or a ship that isn't anchored, whenever a wave or a storm comes, it's going to float away and it's going to go wherever the water takes it. The same is with our thoughts. If we're not anchored in the word, then any single time a a thought comes to our mind or a negative emotion comes up we and we just let it take it wherever it wants to go we're going to end up completely off course and in the middle of a storm and so second timothy 3 16 through 17 says all scripture is god-breathed and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And so as you spend time in scripture, that is words from God's mouth that are used for those things, he is going to teach you. He's probably going to correct you and train you. And he's going to give you a better way to handle your thoughts, better thoughts to replace the old ones. that are going to be beneficial for your marriage. Psalm 119, 105 
says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So if there's ever a question of what do I do? And then your thoughts end up leading you potentially down the spiral of, I don't know what to do. This isn't going how I planned. He's different. I'm different. This isn't going to work. What to do next? Getting in God's word and staying anchored will illuminate those next steps for you. Will light that path. God will reveal to you what you should be thinking and doing and feeling. And you don't have to worry about that process because he's in charge of illuminating that for you. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so staying anchored in God's word as a way to change your mind, your mindset around your marriage, your relationship, is a matter of getting into the word that is going to help you discern. It's going to help you understand how your thoughts affect your feelings and how that then affects your actions towards your husband and exactly what it is that you need to change and what it is instead that you should be thinking and feeling and how to do that. His word will reveal that to you the more that you are in it. And two other benefits of staying anchored in the word are that Romans 15, 4 says, through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So it's not just about discernment and getting things pointed out to us that we need to change, but it's also providing hope in a God that sees us, that understands us, that cares about us, that offers us hope and renewal of our minds. And it's also so that we store these things up in our hearts so that we might not sin against God. The more that we have these words in our minds and in our hearts, the less likely we are to think negative, critical thoughts that lead to negative, critical words that sin against our husbands and sin against God. So that is A, anchor in the word. Moving on to N, notice the newness in you. N is notice the newness in you. You know, as you shift your mindset and you're in God's word daily, you are being transformed. You're going to become more patient, less critical, more aware of your husband's strengths, maybe more aware of the ways that he is showing love to you, even if it's not the way that you would prefer it. There's going to be newness and growth in you spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. Your thoughts are being renewed and, re- and restored. And as you are cutting out that old stuff and handing things over to him and anchoring in the word, God is going to be faithful to renew things in you. And it's going to re- require minimal effort on your part in the sense that you don't have to struggle to fix yourself. You don't have to work in your own strength to try to fix something in your marriage or have that panic feeling of, I got to do something. So, okay, I'll just fix me and I'll I'll just do all the right things. If you're performance-based like I am, even if we have those tendencies, we can let go of that and we can just trust the process that as we do these things, God is the one that is faithful to renew our thoughts and our minds. 
And so the next one is G, guard your heart and mind. And this again might sound like something you have to do, but actually it's not something that we do. It's something that we allow God to do because we do these other things. Let me explain. Negativity and a critical spirit and old patterns are going to keep coming back. Just because you have your mind renewed doesn't mean, okay, good, whew, I don't have to go through that again. I'm never going to have to battle a critical spirit again because I already worked through that. That's not exactly the way that our sin natures operate. We have to keep working at it. It's going to be something that we daily need. We need that daily bread. We have to be in the word daily because those are going to try to keep coming back. And we do have to guard our heart and mind. But Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. So the part that it's on us, our actions, is the prayer, the giving thanks, and the asking God. That part's on us. We have to come to him. We have to give him thanks. And we have to ask him. But it's the peace that he gives when we do those things that guards our heart and our mind. It's not up to us to necessarily guard our mind as if we are the ones protecting our minds. It's his peace that comes when we are surrendering to him, when we're giving thanks to him, even in difficult circumstances. And when we're asking him for what we need, it's in that posture of surrender and the peace that he gives that guards our thought life. And his role is to provide that peace. And when we don't have that peace because maybe we aren't praying about it or we forget to give thanks or we don't ask God for what we need, then our, our minds and our hearts are not guarded and our thoughts run rampant and we believe the worst in our husband's. And we negatively interpret everything that he says. We end up accusing him and criticizing him. And we begin acting out our negative thoughts and feelings. And I know y'all know how that feels. That your thoughts are just so out of control, you don't have peace. You don't feel peaceful. You might feel a little bit cray-cray. And you're like, I don't know what's going on with me. My thoughts are all over the place. I'm being rude. I'm being unkind. Or maybe your friends are pointing it out to you or your kids are watching you and you just don't know how to stop. It's spiraling. You're lacking the peace because you're perhaps not in prayer and giving thanks and asking God. So you might need to pump the brakes, girlfriend, and do those things and get that peace so that your mind can be renewed. And then the last thing is E, emotions in check. So you might think, well that's not a really a mindset issue. That's emotions. Well, our feelings stem from our thoughts and what we believe when we think about something or someone, we end up feeling that way toward them, which can then lead to actions. So we have to use our emotions more as a thermometer or as warning lights on a dashboard to show us when our thoughts are getting carried away. So if a feeling of anger is coming up, something is not going right in our thought life. 
And not that every feeling is bad. Our feelings are our feelings, but we just have to use them as tools. We have to learn how to use them as indicators. Because when we act on our feelings, that's when the sin comes in and it's harder to undo things. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. Proverbs 15.18 A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. When we feel that anger or that disappointment or that fear rising up in us, pretend it's like a little light dinging and you look at the dashboard and go, oh, I'm almost on empty. Oh, I need some more oil, whatever it is. Oh, I need to get in the word and stay anchored. I need to hand it off to him. I need to cut out these old beliefs. I need to spend time in prayer. Whatever it might be that you're not doing or that you need to do more of, those feelings can just be warning signs. Galatians 5, 16 through 24 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissension, division. Those angry moments that you have with your husband, that strife that you feel, that division that you feel, may be evidence of operating in the flesh and not the spirit. And so if we're operating in our flesh, perhaps it's because we're feeling certain things because we think certain things. And we need to trace it all the way back to our thoughts and go through this process of cutting things out, handing it over to him, anchoring in the word, noticing the newness that's in you and operating in it and finding hope in that. And then just learning to use our emotions as warning signs, as indications to pray, to ask God for what we need so that his peace can continue to help guard our thought life and our mindset so that our marriages can improve because we are going through this process. I hope this encouraged you today. And if it did, would you leave me a review? Just scroll to the bottom of the show, click on write a review and leave a message that lets somebody else around the world know that this podcast has helped you in some way. Loads of love, Lydia. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place.